Salutations, friends. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the Recap Book Chat. My name is Kate, and this is my mom, Sheila. And we are just so excited that you're with us today. And I wanted to share a quote from Teddy Roosevelt. I am part of everything that I have read. What have you been reading? We'll share with you what we've been reading and what's at the top of our book stack. And welcome to the Recap Book Chat. Thank you so much for stopping by today. We have a rather large classic today that we are going to begin. We are only currently halfway through, so this is going to be part one of The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexander Dumas. So, and this was published in the years 1844 through 1845. And it was originally written in French. And I think this is our first French novel, correct? Yeah. It's a, okay. It is an undertaking. It is, for sure. So before we jump into the text, how did you hear about The Count of, the Count of Monte Cristo? And what made you want to read it? Well, I never wanted to read it. <laughs> but what, what caused us to read it was A Place to Hang the Moon. And then we read um, Grace Bennett's in the last bookshop in um, London. And then every time it was just like, oh, The Count of Monte Cristo. Oh, and I was, I, I, I have trouble wrapping my head around an 11-year-old reading it or carrying it. <laughs> <laughs> it is a large, I think it's larger than um, Tolstoy's War and Peace. I think we looked at, right? It has more pages than... Our version of it does, for yeah, sure. So. We, we've got one that has the smugglers. It's, it's called um, The Smugglers Landing in a Storm is on the front of the cover, which is a cool cover for this. It is a cool it cover. It has uh, smugglers in it. So this Our version has, uh, what is it? 1,200 pages. Yeah, like 1,200 pages. So, um, And so... Uh, and, and I wanted to get a little bit into Dumas, the author of it. Um, did you know that he was, um, his, his dad was mixed race. And he was the son of a French nobleman and a slave. And it was so sad, I thought, because his dad, when he was 14, his dad took him back to France, but he sold the sisters. So I'm oh like, my goodness, I, I know. And so that was Dumas's dad. And, but he became a general because his dad put him in the military school. So he became really high up in the military. And his position helped um, the Dumas that wrote The Count of Monte Cristo have um, be able to do that. He was in a good position to do that. But they said that he faced a lot of discrimination because of his mixed race, which mm. I was like, I did not know that. So... I did not know that either. Uh, my thing in the front of the book says he got this as a serial. He wrote it as a serial and got paid per word. So uh, I was thinking, so he was really wanting more money. But I mean, it's a good story. He weaves mm -hmm. it all together. Well, and what else is interesting that I found out about Dumas is that he liked to live lavishly. And that so he and he but he was a prolific writer to fund his lavish lifestyle because he would get a he would do and i didn't realize that he was the one that wrote the three musketeers 
So yeah, I thought I told you that. Yeah. Which yeah. is always weird to me, the three musketeers, because there's four. And yeah. And the three musketeers. <laughs> I'm like, he might be a really good writer, but how was his math grade? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, he he would run through money quite often. So that's why he's a prol- prolific writer. And that's probably why there's the Count of Monte Cristo is so big. <laughs> he's wanting more money, like you said. So, oh, but well, he did well, he, though. Well, to think that when you when you do the math, this book was written uh, uh, like 180 years ago. It's like 180 years ago. And you could act like it's written today. Yes, you could. And so I'm just like, and so we, we just finished people fuel and in there it talked about the abe asking edmond who's the who's the protagonist in the story what uh, who whose interests might be served by your disappearance and edmond you know of course most people know the story that he he did nothing and he gets put into prison but and he can't figure it out he cannot figure it out why am i here and and Edmond had never asked that question, which went with people fuel. That's a clarifying question. And yes. Abe, the minute he asked that, I mean, dots were connecting. Dots, dots, dots. And then he knew. He figured mm. it out just right then. That's true. Before we get any further, though, let's go ahead and give an overview of who you're talking about. Let's go through the characters. So it, it begins in 1815 in France. And it's on a what would you call that a coastal city a seaside city Mm -hmm. so introduce us to edmund dantes who is he well he has um he's 19 and uh he has like you start in the book and i mean you're just already in because he was not the captain of the ship but the captain died and he just sort of um took over to get them through to get them to port and um he seems to me, I don't know if you can correct me if you didn't get this, but I feel like he's very charismatic. Mm-hmm. Like people were drawn to him, like all, he was a, a, a just like a born leader. You know, you see those kind of kids and I see those kids in elementary school and I say, oh, that's, that's a leader. You know, I yes. feel like Edmond was that because nobody fought him on it. They, they wanted him. They just accepted him as their leader. You know, do you think that's because he was just kind of, he was a pure of heart. Do you think that's why? He really didn't have an angle for himself. He was very open with everything he was doing. Do you think that's why people were drawn to him? I think that he was real. Mm -hmm. He was just real. And then he's the protagonist. Well, the antagonist is Don Glar. And it looks like in the book Dangler. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, I would recommend anybody that wants to really read the book. There's this uh, guy that does a fantastic job helping you pronounce all the names in this uh, website course hero and that's how I learned how to pronounce them because I haven't you've seen the movie I think I was probably grading papers when you watch the movie which is good for me not to have I'm kind of have a clean slate (laughs) but you know at the end of the movie I know Cam likes to watch the director talking and the director uh, at the end of the movie says you want to watch the movie watch the movie you want to read the book read the book so (laughs) I know that the book is different than the movie. That's all I know. And, and I can put that in the show notes too, because that the course hero thing, they're free. They help you with, they help you kind of get an overview. We, we like to do it after you read the chapters and go back and then you'll hear the names. And so you'll know how to say them. So, 
and it's and it's you know and he's broken it down to chapters like what is it like three or four five chapters at a time or something mm-hmm. yes and like I, yeah. I, I just applaud this man because he is you could tell he's excited about the book in the count of monte cristo <laughs> you know and because the girl's name the love interest of edmond dantes is it looks like mercedes but when you when you do the course hero it's mercedes you know, I'm not French, so therefore Mercedes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that's kind of so you start out. There's like a love triangle right from the beginning because Mercedes has. Um, I, I would just say he's just smitten by her, Ferdinand. He loves her, but she is totally devoted to Edmond. And this is all at the very beginning. I mean, the very beginning of the book. I yes. Mean, the, and you're already into. You're just boom, right there. And um, Morel is the guy that owns the boat and he, or the ship, excuse me. I don't want nautical people. (laughs) I don't want hate mail from nautical people. (laughs) And uh, he just is so, I think he's impressed with uh, Dantes. He saw a job that needed to get done and he done it. And and he's just really, you know, here is um, the guy that doesn't talk about doing things. He just does them. You're right. So we, we're starting the story with you're seeing Edmund Dantes, this young, wide-eyed, hardworking people person. Everyone loves him. And he, he has one of the, the beautifulest, the prettiest girls that is head over heels for him. He has a job that he loves. He loves being at sea and then he's getting a promotion. So he's becoming like a, a captain at 19, which is a big deal. And so everything looks like it's just going great for Edmund. They are, and then he, and he is devoted to his father and yes. they have a good relationship. So that's where he goes first. And then you start meeting the other people, but you, the reader can feel the hate that Don Glar has. You can feel it. I mean, it's there. You can feel it. And so when we were reading people fuel, I think we talked about that. He would be, a contaminant was a it a contaminant? contaminant a contaminant for sure yes don't you know, just you just you can't be happy for someone else almost you just want everyone to feel the pain that for some reason you feel all the time it was chilling mm, it, yeah. it was chilling and then when you see the cartoon version in course hero you know in those those cartoons you know you're like oh he's he's bad yeah even that even that was uh whew. and then um you meet another guy when when Dantes goes to see dad because uh, he gave dad some money to last the trip you know and dad is kind of like destitute and he said what happened and he said well this uh Caterus called our note or something and he had to pay everything Caterus is the innkeeper yeah and and he is um greedy he's very very greedy and so you meet him, but what, what you don't expect to happen, you don't expect Ferdinand, Dante, you, Ferdinand, Don Galar, and Caterus to all get together. Mm-hmm. You don't expect that. And they do get together. And then they're just, uh, I don't know, they're talking, you know, like you said, that he's a contaminant. They don't like that Edmond is going to be a, a captain. They don't like this. And then Caterus just keeps saying, but I like him. And he t- keeps drinking. You know, and, and he would drink another drink and say, but I, I like uh, Edmond. So I don't, that whole thing was kind of puzzling because he keeps toasting to Edmond, you know. He felt guilty. I think he's probably envious of Edmond, but not to the point to sabotage him. But Don Glar is, who's the contaminant, 
Um, and again, and Ferdinand, the guy that's in love with Mercedes, mm-hmm. um, he probably on his own would not have acted like he he's very jealous of Edmund, oh, yeah. obviously, because he loves Mercedes. But there wasn't enough fuel on the fire for him to do anything. And that's where Don Glar sees this and he uses uh, Ferdinand and he pull, pours fuel on the fire. Um, and then, then they plot and come up with a scheme to get Edmund thrown into the Chateau d'If, which is kind of like our version of Alcatraz. Yes, that's a good connection. Good connection. And and you are right. I don't think Ferdinand would have done it on his own. And also, we need to sidebar here and say Mercedes did in no way, shape, or form ever did she encourage Ferdinand, ever. No, no. She's totally innocent of that. She yes. totally is devoted to Edmond, which is a, a pure love that they mm-hmm. have for each other. So, yes, and he, because he writes a letter in his left hand, Don Galar does, and then he throws it on the ground, and, uh, you know, he knows Ferdinand is going to pick it up. Yes. But, uh, and then Caderousse is just intoxicated the whole time this is happening, you know. And um, the sad thing is the timing. Oh, the timing on their really wedding sad. day. Yeah. He's arrested on their wedding day. And they don't know why. I think that is what, is what yes. would drive you mad. If you had actually done something, if Edmund had killed somebody or something... Then you'd be expecting it. And you're like, oh, well, the cops are here. You know, my time's up. But he's- yeah, they even say they say criminals when they rob a bank or something. They actually like telling it and get it out in the open. They yes. really would like it. You're yes. so right. If he had have done something, oh, and we need to point out. Okay, so in history, this is during the Bonaparte time, where Bonaparte. And, and so there's people that are divided. So there's people that want Bonaparte, and there's people that want the. French person, what I mean, the, the king, other person, uh, the king. Yeah, I can't remember the king's name. And um, so that's the years, and that's what that note said that he was a Bonapartist. And, and this comes right after Napoleon has been exiled to that um, island. So, but Napoleon's trying to make a comeback. So there's a lot of, if anybody's, uh, yeah, a Bonapartist, then it's just like, oh, because they've lived through that, they're trying to move on. So, and, and, I mean, is- and if you read that, so I had a list of characters going because you have to kind of keep them because just like in, I think it was War and Peace, everybody has like three names. Mm-hmm. You notice that? I don't feel like it was challenge. as bad as War, War and Peace. Was, uh, the Russians, they have all these different names. I don't think it's that intense. But yes, they do have their, they'll use their first or last name sometimes. Or yeah. they'll have like a count or a, whatever they call it, different names. But so. the reason you don't think it's so bad is because you've read War and Peace. See, mm-hmm. that was yeah, your right. <laughs> So this is not your first rodeo. That's what we cut our teeth on. <laughs> yeah, thanks to you. You know, I, I do. I, I think everyone should challenge themselves. I didn't want to read this. I made myself read this because I thought Grace Bennett would not steer us wrong. And she hasn't. She hasn't. Uh, Edmond Pierce was the little boy. And I thought I got to thinking he liked it. Edmund was Edmond I see why he liked it don't you Uh, oh yeah yeah for sure and really one of my favorite parts was actually in the prison when he finally gets to Abe like which is a a prisoner that has been in there longer than him um who people think are is crazy but I think um Dumas does a really good job of of picturing what it would be like to be in prison 
and not have human contact for that long. So Edmund's really kind of going off the rails and Abe saves him in more ways than one. So, um, and that's my, that was my favorite part when he got to, you know, cause we were talking, getting to that part before, you know, we're just like, okay, when we get to the Abe, cause you know, it's coming and you're, you're looking forward to it because here's a guy that has wisdom. And, and actually I don't think uh, the count would have made it. I mean, I don't think the count of Monte Cristo would never, never have been if it hadn't been for uh, Abe. No. Yes. A hundred percent. He, and I, it's just a beautiful picture of mentorship and friendship and they, because they're to get, they spend, you know, every day together once, once they are together and it, the way that he pours into Dante and Dante is a sponge. He is so very, he's smart and he's just soaking up every, I mean, he teaches him languages, mathematics, science. He goes, he has this whole education in prison, which is just, I, I just love that part. So I have a quote for that. So when Dante meets, when he meets the Abbe, he says, you must teach me a little of what you know, if only to avoid becoming bored by my company. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) And then he says, what will you teach me first? I am eager to begin. I am a thirst for the knowledge. And so, uh, and then it says somewhere in there, nothing learned, nothing forgotten. So he, he was just kind of shriveling up. But, you know, he was, like you said, a sponge. And when he when he does connect the dots, he had this quote, is the world full of tigers and crocodiles? And he meant the two-legged kind, which are the worst. And then, you know, the Abe is telling him, because he's been treated terribly. Mm-hmm. I mean, in fact, he's like the ridicule of the whole prison. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, he's the crazy guy. He's the crazy guy that thinks he has a fortune. Yeah, he's the crazy guy. But, you know he does have a fortune, (laughs) but they don't know that. So that kind of tells you, you need to give grace to everyone because you don't know the whole picture. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I did dig deep in that thing about, because they kept mentioning that Borgia, B-O-R-G-I-A. So I did look him up and man, he was like, I think he was like a religious leader because his dad was Pope, Pope so-and-so, and they would kill people. They would have like two people that they were going to put in a political position and everything. And then they might uh, shake their hand with a ring and that ring would have poison on them and it would kill them. Yeah. And then, or they would drink, they would drink, you know, cause his dad said, well, your way takes too long. Cause when you, and he had a, like a closet where people could hang their coat or whatever, the wrap. And when you turn that knob, it would prick you with poison. And in like three days you would die. But his dad preferred poison in the drink, which killed him instantly. Which I was like, why go if that's like, because the guy, the the fortune, this guy's fortune, he was invited to to their place. And so he writes this letter of will, which is the fortune that Abe's talking about before he goes, because he's pretty for sure they're going to off him. And they do. But I'm like, these people kind of knew that. Why go? I don't know. Is the thirst for power that great? I don't know. Is it really that great? And then there's another person, Vifaw. Vifaw, and that looks like V-I-L-L-E-F-O-R-T. So I did not call him Vifaw. But he is like a dishonest uh, lawyer judge kind of guy. But wasn't it cool how Dumas did a parallel? Because he was getting married the same day. So he's almost like a parallel Dantes. And so it's almost like you get to see uh, 
it's the complete opposite of, of Edmund, what his life turned out to be and stuff. So that, I think that's interesting. Yeah, I think that's good for us to, sometimes we need help connecting the dots. We just uh, have been in, in Joshua in at school and when you see Rahab, she did deception to save the spies and then Achan did deception to steal. And I said, you see those two parallels. One got her closer to God. And then, of course, Achan was farther away because he, he put himself in there. So that's good when you see that together like that. You're saying, oh, yeah. But, yes. Uh, I mean, there's, uh, I mean, when you when you go there, at, where, where was the town? It was Marseille. Is that what it was? Marseille? Yes. And uh, you're right. French. I had actually read a book about Bonaparte, who was a scoundrel, an absolute utter scoundrel. But uh, I, I think this one goes weaves in the history really well. I mean, of course, he he, he lived through that died. time. Well, yeah, Dante. I mean, Dumas was living. I mean, because he was born in. Uh, let me see. When was he born? But he was. I think it was eighteen o two. I remember. Born. Yeah, eighteen o two. So he. The book takes begins in eighteen fifteen. So he was. Oh, this that's is why it's so good. It it is fresh. It's like he knows what's going on, and I don't. But what a great way to teach history through, yes. a, through a narrative. You know, I think kids would be more, you know, uh, in tune to it. And it, it makes it real because you're telling it through people. Yes. And I had a quote from, uh, this made me think of um, some politicians we've had. Because um, this was um, Vifaw's father, Nortier. In politics, you don't kill a man. You remove an obstacle. That's all. Mm. And I said, that's how people look at it. They do. So, and Villefort is the, he was the magistrate. So he's the one who orders Dante's imprisonment. And he does that because it's connected with his dad, who was a Bonapartist. And so if, if Dante's is the only one that can make that connection to him, and his dad, and so that will hurt Villefort politically. Uh, and he's he's very driven. Um, he wants to get. He's very power driven. He wants these high positions, and he has a, this impending marriage that will help him status wise and everything. So his way is just to imprison Dantes for life. So that's but, how he plays in there. Yeah, and, and um, I think Dante, at this point, before he meets the Abbe, everyone is good to him. Yes. He cannot fathom Vifal being bad. He can't fathom that. He doesn't know. So he hands him this letter that uh, he received, I think, from the, was this from the dying captain? Yes. And he, he gives it to him, and, and, and I, he reads it and burns it. And see, even if we don't know, we, we know that's bad. Yeah, when when the bad. when the judge is burning evidence, yeah, yeah, that that is never never good. But I, I just uh, then then you just keep waiting, and when he does meet Abe, uh, then you then everything kind of like you said, it starts clicking. And there's one one really sad chapter, and it's just called uh, like it gives their prison numbers. One's thirty four. Dantes, I think, is forty. Uh, is 27 Abe is 27 and he's 34 and they just have these numbers and I thought here his life was on the brink of uh, joy and all this and then they just take him all that and now he's reduced to a number mm -hmm. and I just thought that was that was chilling a lot of it is chilling and but 
he learned Spanish, English, and German in, in six months. Yes. I mean, it, it was amazing. I, I really, like I said, I love the relationship with Abe and, and him. The only thing is Abe, the only thing that he doesn't get from Abe, Abe does not want him to be vengeful, but he is. And he kind of in prison makes a promise to himself to avenge all those who did him wrong. And so, and this is later on when he, but this is a quote, um, but I thought this is kind of uh, foreshadowing, but hatred is blind and anger deaf. The one who pours himself a cup of vengeance is likely to drink a bitter draught. I had that quote down too, sis. And yeah. I feel like, I don't know what's coming, but I mean, because I know the ending of the movie is different from the book, but I feel like it's going to be, you know, showing, bitter. yeah, there's going to be, it's not, like, revenge is not as sweet as you think it would be type thing. But, you know, and Abe, this is his, uh, he, he was the kind of person, you know, he wanted to give him a gift for all that he'd done. And he said, my true treasure is your presence. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was just, and he said, my friend, let's not, let's enjoy the present and not cloud the future. So all his quotes were like that. I was just writing this down. I mean, in uh, somewhere in there, this is one of my, and I've told this to several people that I've talked to. There is only one serious matter to be considered in life, and that is death. Mm, I mean, yes. if, if you don't get anything from the whole book, isn't that powerful? That is powerful. And that's that true. That's so powerful. Yeah, and so true. And we've talked about that before in, um, when we're talking about people fuel, and I think in other books too. You know, when I mentioned that, that poster of like uh, being account, like understanding that your days are numbered. And I think that just gives us a greater appreciation for the time that we have and, and it helps us utilize that better. So. And this is another Abe quote, but man, man whom God made in his image, man to whom God gave this first, this soul, this supreme law, that he should love his neighbor, man to whom God gave a voice to express his thoughts. And he's going in there and he's telling him, you know, he's trying to, he knows he wants revenge, but he's saying, you're different. You know, you don't need to do revenge. And then, it, but there are 24 hours in a day, 60 minutes in an hour and 60 seconds in a minute. A lot can be done in 86,400 seconds. And, and he's wanting he's wanting Dantes to every second forget about what is in the past and and grow to the future. He's telling her you're special, you can do this. And I just think um, the Abe, if he'd stayed around Abe more, I think the ending of the book might have been different. Maybe yes. I don't know. I don't know either because I'm just in the middle well, too. So. Well, and Edmund uses. I mean, he, he, when he gets out, gets the treasure, he does use for good. He does some things that are good with it initially. It's like, okay, I'm going to do some good. And then now it's time for revenge. So, uh, but yeah. Well, that's, you know, yeah. It is. Uh, he, I, I think right now, you know, was that Dr. Leaf that you said that there's, or was it, was that, um, I can't remember that there's, there is a good and a bad like going on in your head all the time, you know. Like you mm-hmm. have do this, do that. That might have been in uh, Goliath Must Fall, but I, I've read that and because no, it was something with you because we said that's just like the old cartoons, where it's trying to tempt you to do wrong, and then you, and then there's an angel on one side do it this way, 
and that's where uh, Edmond is. He he knows yes. he knows what I think he knows what the Abe and, and he apparently he pretends to be an Abe and goes back and he and he visits Cataroos and all this and so man. Uh, you think you've learned all the characters. You're like, okay, I've got the characters down. And then bam, he puts another character in there and another, and then you sidebar and you take a whole nother. Uh, well, because there's many books in one, it almost feels like, like, yeah. and so that, I think it is good that we're covering this in uh, different parts. And so, but those, the ones we discussed, that's kind of the first part. And I think some of those go on and some of them don't, but there was another good quote that, in chapter the 117, all human wisdom is contained in these two words, wait and hope. Oh, yes, I love that. Yeah, so. if we can learn, and that's what Abe did. He was, he waited and he hoped. I, I'm he, impressed I mean, by Abe. I mean, right? Because he was so hopeful, mm-hmm. like by himself, you know? He so wanted, and also he took what, um, what they had what he had and and he wrote stuff and he did all this stuff with nothing yes i mean when he got to when when uh dantes finally got to get to abe's cell and he saw and it's all hidden nobody sees it but he's been writing and he's been doing all this stuff (laughs) i'm like wow yeah i mean it was you know it, it i know it seems dark because it is a it is a prison, but when he met him, it was like light. And once again, I told you, Machiavelli came up, and I was like, what? Machiavelli is in that negotiation book, but I have seen Machiavelli over and over again. So he is with the Borgia guy, and they're both bad dudes, I guess. Well, you said Machiavelli. So um, I had heard a podcast with Jordan Peterson, and he talked about Machiavelli just being the one who will negotiate and just to get, even if you have to buy hook or buy crook, that mm-hmm. is him. But I, he didn't act like, see, the Machiavelli is not like um, uh, Hitler. Like he won't kill, he'll trick and he'll do this to get Conniving, Yeah. But not conniving. vicious. Yeah. Not like Don Glar. Don Glar mm-hmm. was, was very devious and deceptive and all that. And he lived with it mm-hmm. and it didn't bother him. I would I mean, say Machiavelli is basically a politician, which is what he was. And that's what you, oh, you know, that's true. That's, that's true. that's what they do. It's like, you know, they'll, they'll say what they need to say to the people at the, the time, you know, what, what the people want to hear. So I, so what, what did you think this minute was on page 260 that said, um, the secret of happiness is between four walls. Walls have ears, but not tongues. Hmm. What was that? Let me find it. 260? 260. What was going on around that? Well, that was when he's still talking to Abe. The secret of happiness and misery. Oh, if you can't be happy with great fortune, if you can be happy with a great fortune, then Don Glars is happy. And Ferdinand? Fernand is another story. So, because they do think, he thinks Don Galar is the most guilty of all. But it's saying that, that he's saying how wronged he was. But then Abe says, uh, 
is he happy? And then Dantes says, no one can tell. The secret of happiness and misery is between four walls, but walls have ears, but not tongues. Oh, so it's saying like, you don't know if someone's truly happy because the walls aren't going to tell you. But okay. even though they're the ones that they hear it. So if you, if the walls could talk, they would say, oh, so-and-so is happy or they're not happy or they're miserable. But since they can't, I guess. But isn't, and that gives you a taste of how Dumas writes. Mm-hmm. He writes like that. And I think it's just, of course, I liked it. It's pretty cryptic, but I, I think um, when he said there's only one serious matter in life is death, I said, I said to myself, I said, that kind of levels the playing field for everybody. Because mm-hmm. I Very had just this sermon and, this, and the preacher had said, all people have this in common. We're all going to die. And yes. Said, right. Have you been talking to the Abe? <laughs> that is exactly what he said. Because I mean, there's so many life lessons from this book. So many life lessons. Like we do need to know about the contaminants because there are some people out there that are. We do. Here's another quote I liked too, and he was. This was to describe. Uh, this was to describe someone. I think it was describing. Was it Franz or? Albert, I'm not sure, but it, he was one of those who do not court danger, but who, if it presents itself, retain all their composure in confronting it. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was yes. like, I like that. So how, who is Albert? Albert is Mercedes' son. So Mercedes, who does not know anything that happens to Edmond, they, they don't know why he was taken. They can't get any information. His boss has has tried to appeal to the courts and he has put money out and all of this to get answers and everything years go by nothing happens edmund's dad passes away and after that i guess mercedes felt like she was uh, she thought that i guess edmund kind of died with the dad because she ends up marrying fernand and becoming a countess so and then they have albert so and then albert's friend is, is Franz. And they and he has an encounter with the count before Albert does. Franz does. And he actually g- gets to go to his island and stuff. Yes. Which is where he gets the whole name Monte Cristo because there's an island where smugglers use. That's why the the um painting on the cover is really good. But yes. I was just like, um, wow. And I, I was halfway through the book before I noticed that. Yeah, I didn't even notice at all, but yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out. It's a great picture to kind of depict what was going on in in this island that no one really claimed. It was kind of a deserted little island. So the Count, or the Monte Cristo. So, and that's, yeah, how he became the Count. And then, like, when you meet, uh, I like sentences like this one. I think this was Franz. He was anxious to be left alone so that he could give his whole mind to what had just taken place in front of him. And, and we're in a different time now than, than Dumas was. But, you know, even then he was wanting to be alone. And now mm-hmm. in our age of um, devices and cell phones and pings and dings and stuff, it's really hard to be alone. Yes. Where you can think. So this was kind of amusing, I thought, because like in the, on 426, he says, you have set a price on his head like any Tom, Dick or Harry. And I thought, what? Was that even a, a phrase? So I looked up when, when that was used, and it was used in 1734. It was an idiom. Really? They, 
Yeah, and they said it might have originated from Shakespeare, but in Shakespeare, it was Tom, Dick, and Francis. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Harry sounds better than Francis. Yeah. Just try to say Tom, Dick, and Francis. Uh, yeah, it's not the same. So that's really cool. I'm glad you pulled that out. I didn't even, I didn't catch that or think about it, you know, because it's such a common phrase. So. Well, I was just thinking, I don't know. I, you know, and I, and I think that sometimes I, I just have, uh, you know, and it, it depends on when you read. If you're reading uh, and you're tired, like at night, you, of course, you can't hold this book up very long. You need to be tired. <laughs> I mean, I may have, I may, that may be my neck problem here, but. <laughs> Uh, I think that it, it, sometimes I'm really inquisitive if I'm, you know, just settled down for a little read with a cup of coffee, then I'm like, oh, that's good. Like there's uh, on 432, it says that will suit me down to the ground. That exact line is in True Grit in John Wayne. So it makes me mm-hmm. think, you know, the author of that book and that book is one book that they just took the book and wrote a script out of it because they they quote the book all the time in that movie. Yes. So I'm thinking how many how many writers have been uh, just so influenced by the Count of Monte Cristo? Yes. Yeah. I, because I agree. You come out in your writing, but I love that. That suits me down to the ground. I'm like, Whoa. And like he, this was a, it, it was as icy as the hand of a corpse. I mean, he, you, he's a good writer. I know some people, some people might not, you know, it's a boy, it's kind of a boy book because, I mean, it has some gore in it, and but it, it has intrigue in it that women would like. So I think it would be for anybody. I mean, I'm enjoying it. I mean, even though I, I have a feeling it's not going to end well, but I'm still enjoying it. And it's, it's a great story. It's very interesting. And because I really don't know exactly what's going to happen. And so, but I think I want us to make some predictions so, um, so right now the count, he's been, uh, out of prison for a while. He's a he has all this wealth. He's traveled the world. He's, he can really take on many different disguises and obviously speak many languages really well. So, uh, he can kind of go anywhere he wants to do anything he wants to do at this point. So what is your prediction in the second half of the book? What do you, how do you think things are going to turn out for Edmond and Mercedes and Albert what what do you think is going to go down there? Well, before I predict, I have to say, what did you think? Just pause the prediction and I'll come back to it. But what did you think of that um, thing in Italy where everybody lights a candle and there's a big ruckus and I try to put your candle out and you try to put my candle out? I mean, I thought that would be Bedlam. I mean, I could see people getting burned by candles and all that. Did you? And, and I read the back of that, but everybody, it's a Roman carnival and it's oh. the great finale. Was that after the uh, execution? And I'm saying, how dangerous is this? <laughs> but they, lo- they loved it. And everybody is going off and trying. Like, I would be tackling you to put your candle out. <laughs> and if you want to put my candle out. You know, and I'm like, and, and this this book had a lot of notes. And you could go back and see what's going on. But, I, I mean, I like I like that he put that in there. Because we don't do anything like that. No. Ever. I mean, we were like, and then that is where Albert gets kidnapped. Yes, you know, but Albert is very by bandits. Yeah, so um, I know this much in in the in the movie Albert is supposed to be Dantes's son, but in the book that is not the case. Yes, he is not because fourteen years have passed. He's had he had no contact with her. 
and so they changed that yes and, um so i kind of agree with you uh things probably won't go well but um I don't know. There's, there's, um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that he gets some resolve to know, uh, we, we do know enough when, when the count meets, cause Albert wants the count to come to Paris mm-hmm. and he wants to show him Paris. He wants to meet his family. They want to say thank you to the count, uh, for and- saving Albert. They don't know who he really is. Yes. Nobody knows who he really is. And just by that, you kind of get the impression. So when he goes to Albert's flat or whatever they're called, he sees a painting of his mom that uh, his dad does not like. Albert, Albert's dad doesn't want this painting in the house. And she looks sad in the painting. And so you, I get the impression that her whole life, she has missed Edmond. Mm-hmm. That she never got over that. So um, I'm not sure how it ends, but I, I think he... he surely he will know that but i feel like maybe death will bring peace to the count so i'm thinking maybe i'm not i'm just pre i don't know i i have no clue i have not read ahead but i'm thinking death would be a peace for the count and i'm thinking that and i think if he does uh, get killed it will be like behind the back it'll be one of his people one of the bad people doing it but they won't be the victor because by doing that, you know, I feel like, because he has so much good in him. You know, I'm wondering I, if, because they've mentioned this story and like you expounded on it to me about the um, kind of the take on Romeo and Juliet type thing where the girl, he, the boy thought the girl was dead. Then he killed himself. Then she wakes up or comes oh, back. Yes. Uh-huh. And then it's like, then she kills him herself when she sees him type thing. I'm afraid it's going to end up like that because what, I mean, I feel like that's a little foreshadowing, but I don't know. Yeah. But I had never heard of that. It's P P Y R A M M M U S like Pyramus and Thisbe. And that was a, like a Greek or Roman myth. And that was, it, it was about, cause you go on and there's, um, the younger people you meet them and you meet their love interests and they're like they're never of course going to marry who they want to marry and all this kind of stuff and so that it told that story i mean that was the title of a chapter so you do Mm -hmm. have to do some work and on the in the beginning i don't know if you read that but uh dumas got this from a true story there was a man who was imprisoned falsely Mm. no i didn't see that i didn't read the introduction Oh, well, sometimes it's risky to read it because it tells you all, you know, but it says it, it was also very clearly a work of its time. The plot was inspired by the true story of uh, François Picard or something, P-I-C-A-U-D, which Dumas found uh, the collection of the antidotes from the Parisian police. And he read all about those. He was a man in France and he was imprisoned in 1807. And all of it, he didn't do anything. Wow. Years later, he was released. You know, of course, he added the Abe part and everything. But so much of fiction comes from something that happened. Yes. But that was jealousy that caused um, someone liked his wife. They were jealous. And so they ended up framing him, getting him put in in prison and all that. So he took that and then turned it into the Count of Monte Cristo. Very similar, though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
it's just interesting. It's I mean, very interesting. Yeah, I just, um, yeah, your, yours is, but you know, even if that happens, that will bring peace, I guess. I don't know. I'm just like, uh, my, my question is, what's going to happen to the antagonist? What's going to happen to evil Dan, Don Blar? What do you think will happen to him? Oh, I think Edmond has, I don't know what, I'm scared to think what he has in store for Don Blar. <laughs> because he has been in prison for years. I mean, well, for a long time, I guess half his time in prison, probably seven or eight years, he didn't know. The rest of it, he knew Don Glars was behind it. So he's had that much time plus the time out, like probably 10 years out now to be plotting and planning. So it's going to be bad for Don. I would not want to be Don Glars because I mean, right now he's a, he's an extremely wealthy, powerful man. And I think Edmund is going to take away everything. He's going to take away uh, all the good things he has. So I, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's not going to be good. So that brings me to the podcast that I sent you this week about politics by faith, where Mike Slater says, you know, how reading makes you, uh, you can live and find other people, you can solve problems through other people. And he said, we don't need to make all the mistakes. We can read. So how much smarter was the generation that was reading the Count of Monte Cristo? How much more alert were they to the contaminant people where, you know, like now we have contaminants on the Internet, contaminants on Facebook and all this. But we, we we tend to be trusting, too. But all things are not as they seem. Yes, very true. And it just seems like if we were to read, but in that podcast, that general says a general that doesn't take time to read, the evidence will be in the body bags of his soldiers. Mm-hmm. Cause he's making all those mistakes firsthand. And I'm thinking, man, yeah, you know, as when, when um, I visit the jail and I, I, I mean, I, it makes you sad because you've got someone 20 years old, but they've made these mistakes. And most of the time they haven't been a reader. They're not. They're becoming one now, but Mm -hmm. how much better if you are a reader at a young age and you're saying, oh, look what happens. Look what happens when you do this. And um, I don't know, but man, I'm I'm enjoying it. And thank you for reading it with me. I really appreciate it. I think I need, you you need a support group when you read this book. Yes. (laughs) Thank you for reading it with me. And I do have an announcement. There's one of our listeners, Lacey, who gave us a great suggestion so just FYI, this is our announcement. Um, we will be posting in our Facebook group our upcoming reads. So if you want to read along or read before we do the podcast, you can. Um, and so obviously we're halfway through this one. Um, and then we will, we will post the upcoming ones in our Facebook group. Yeah, and I'm just so appreciative to Lacey for giving us that. She said that would really help her because she said she would like to have already read it and make connections along with us. I love that. I love that. I love her suggestion. I'm so grateful that she told you. So yeah, I'm just, I'm blown away by why didn't we do that earlier? (laughs) I know. (laughs) Hey, you know, when you know better, you do better. That's That's what you always say. That is woo. But, and, and so that's a wrap on part one of The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexander Dumas, right? Yes. Okay. And we just are so grateful to have you stop in today for a book chat. Keep those book lights burning and those pages turning. And if you're reading this heavy one, you're going to build some biceps too. <laughs> <laughs> See, See you on the next one. one. <laughs>